Hello, hello, hey, hey, welcome, welcome to JDR Creatives Podcast, or as I like to call it, the audio journal of my life. (laughs) Yes. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Today is February 24th, 2022. And she will be coming around the mountain as she comes. <laughs> Today, I've, you know, I'm going to give you another, you know, another sounding from me. Um, but this one really is, this one is, you know, dedicated to my son. So this will, this, I'm trying to figure out if I want to, should I make it a jam's thoughts? I don't think I should make it a jam's thoughts. I think it should stand on its own. I think really the way I look at it is I look at it like 10, you know, it's been, you know, this weekend, it'll be 10 years since. I became a father since, you know, my son was born and, you know, a lot of times, you know, people don't really think about birthdays or things like that. I know as a guy, I I spent a lot of my life not really thinking about it until, as I've said in the past, um, I lost a, a dear friend and an incredible teammate. And it really changed my perspective on how birthdays should be thought of or how we should move through them. It's really when you get back to a birthday, you're getting another ticket to travel another 365 around the sun, you know, earth or earth rotation and all, you know, you know, but really I wanted to make this episode because <laughs> recently my son found, he found this, uh, this podcast. And, um, a lot of stuff I talk about here, it's not really meant for him yet, it's it's going to help him in the next ten that he gets, um, and for the for the rest of his life to kind of see the perspective to kind of hear the perspective of me. I think it was very important for me to do it. I know my ex wife kind of talked to me about him listening to it, and and I, I agree with her. I, I don't want him to listen to it now, but if there's one episode I would want him to listen to, it would be this one. So this one is for him. And it's literally me talking to him. He and I, I we we talked about it. I mean, you know, as parents, I think it's very important that you talk to your children about why they feel certain ways, why they do things a certain way, and you really try to sit back and listen. I think at times being a parent is difficult because we find ourselves in this situation where you have to lead. But what a lot of people don't realize about leading is leading requires you to follow as well. It'll, it requires you to listen. And I think (laughs) that's a hard narrative for some people to really take in. Um, But it's true. I think for me, I grew up with my mother being a very strong personality type and not having a lot of room for discussion. When things were said, when they were done, you moved. If you didn't move, you might get your head knocked off. Um, I don't believe in that in my house. Not to say that, you know, sometimes you don't have to 
whoop kids. I think each kid has a different perspective. My son is just like me, but just better. Um, he's, he's innocent. So I feel like it's my job to pro- protect his naivety. It's my job to protect his innocence. It's my job to protect his ignorance on how the world really is. And um, I try to do that by having really, you know, open-ended conversations with him. I want him to speak from his heart and it's something that he's working on. He's still not where he needs to be. Um, But that's okay because it took me, (laughs) took me about 30 years to get there. You know what I mean? If this kid can do it in half the time I did it, then he will, he really will have surpassed everything that I could have possibly done. And I know he can do it um, because I'm here cheering him on. I'm here giving him the space. So really, I think this first part of it is for you parents who have children, I think it's very important that you understand the roles and, and what you have to do for your children. And sometimes it's not just about us and what we want for them. They I want a lot of things for him, but if he doesn't want it for himself, then how does that work? Like for instance, right? Um, I was so glad when he played basketball last year, because I think that it's important for kids to play. You should at least play two sports when you're a kid. Um, besides him being an artist and things like that, he has a lot of different interests because the more sports you play, the better your hand-eye coordination gets. It sharpens you for other sports, but I really wanted him to play baseball. That was a sport I played when I was a kid. I I love baseball still. Um, I'm not going to talk about the lockout here, (laughs) Um, but he's like, he doesn't want to do it. And I know one of his friends is playing. And so I want to take him to a few games just to let him see his friend do it, see how fun his friend, maybe maybe he'll do it. Because I know that seeing is believing. And I know my son, it doesn't matter how many times I take him to a baseball game, he had his fun with it when he was about, what, when it, went to Orlando like three years ago, so he would have been like seven. He, he ain't feeling it. <laughs> but he got around basketball. He He likes that. He loves soccer. And so that works for me. I just want him to play multiple sports. So it, it it strengthens him. And he gets that ability to work within a system, understanding how the system works. And at the same time, he also creates friendships and creates bonds and memories that matter. I can't do anything. I can't do any of that if I'm only leading like like how my mother did. And it's not to knock my mom. My mom was in a condition as a black woman in this country trying to make sure that one, her son lived like me being able to turn 37 this year is a a testament to how she taught me how to survive, but survival isn't enough. We as a species, we as black people, we have to thrive too. And, and I want my son to thrive. That's why I try to let him see different things. I take him into different experiences. And um, the cool thing I wanted to share too, is um, we have a, in Panama city, the center of the center of the arts, it's a really cool place, you know, art, you know, studio. And they had this fourth grade art show and, you know, all the schools participated. But I think only out of I think it's like 18 elementary schools here. There were only like 10 that actually made the cut to be in this show, to be in there. And one of Ryan Ryan's um, piece of artwork and his friend, um, both from from his old school that he went to, both had pieces that were there. You know, each school probably had maybe eight to, I think it was like eight to 10 kids. 
And when you think of fourth grade, the whole fourth grade is probably 60 to 100. And, you know, my dad and I, we were trying to tell him, like, man, this is really cool. And he was all, like, beat down because he didn't get first place in, in, in this group and one of the girls in his class. And he was he was kind of showing me. He's like, look, Dad, you know, like, mine's better. I'm like, yeah, it is. I said, but, you know, you know, when it comes to people judging things, sometimes it's, it's objective. It's not objective. People are not looking just from a scope of technical prowess they may be looking at how it makes them feel i don't know i wasn't here to judge it so don't worry about it be 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 extremely proud of yourself that in this moment you are in this this studio like i never made it in the studio his mom never made it in the studio none of the artwork i ever did made it out of my school <laughs> like yeah, you you made it downtown you made it to where the whole city could see it you know, and I had a few friends take pictures and send it to me like, oh, my God, congrats. Look, this is amazing. He's so talented. I remember I was telling my dad and my dad was, you know, trying to tell him like, yeah, buddy, that's that's a really big deal. And it is. And the, the crazy thing about seeing him do that is it reminds me of how I am as an adult. I'm so hard about things like I, I was so used to if you don't get first place, you didn't win anything. And it was like you have to enjoy the fruits of your labor. Um, and it, it just reminds me like when I won my award for that company, I don't speak of, um, which by the way, I wind all my operations down for that company <laughs> this Saturday. They don't know it yet, but I'll tell them Saturday. Um, Cause I'll, I'll start a new, I get to start a new opportunity. It's going to be fun. I was, it was such a surreal experience when it was happening. I didn't feel like I belonged there. And I remember just being really emotional and feeling like I was in third person. Like my body was there, but I was like watching myself, not believing people come up to me, hug me and be excited. And I, I was truly excited, but I remember just going back to my room and really talking about it and breaking it down and cooling off. And people were very surprised because they were thinking, okay, you're a winner, celebrate all night. And I didn't want to celebrate. Like, the the grind was so arduous it was so grueling that when i finally won when it was time for me to stand in the light i didn't know how to and that's that's a concern i have because i think that within the next two years ryan has a very good opportunity of um he has opportunity to win in this league you know to win a championship i think he can be on he has four cracks at it starting soon and I think within the four, he has an opportunity to win at least one of them. Um, he has the skills. We're, we're going to accelerate his skills even more. He has the ability to do it. It's just a matter of pulling it all together. And I don't, I don't want him to not be excited for that. You know, like I remember in the semifinal that they lost to like the best team in the league that went undefeated. He reminded me of myself in so many ways. And I just, I kind of hate it sometimes when I look at myself because I'm like, man, he was such a kind kid when these, when his teammates were crying and they, you know, he was very supportive of them. And and I remember asking him, I said, you know, how do you, how do you handle losing like that and and not being heartbroken? He said, I, you know, I've, I've got used to it. And, and I, I hated how he said it. Cause it's like, you shouldn't get used to losing. Um, but then he he kind of he said, well, I'm not used to it. He's like, I don't like it. He said, but it happens and I just have to get better. So he understands it. But I I worry that 
he'll he won't believe that he'll ever be able to sit on that seat. And so I think like I found myself this season with basketball, best team in the league again, same coach. This coach is really he's a good coach. I I won't take away from from his ability to understand the game, understand where to put the kids to win. Um but I just don't believe in coaches who hoard talent. When you talk about it at a child's level, I don't. I see when you're in middle school and high school and you have kids try out, hoard all the talent you want. But when they're kids, I just don't believe in that. I believe you take the best of them, you try to develop them, and you try to make a team because that's where really your coaching excels. When you bring the best kids together and you bring a power team, it's kind of like, ah, but what, what can we do? There's nothing you can really do about that. You just do your best. And so when my son's team lost, it felt bad for them because I really wanted them to win, and they had the skills. If they could have beat the red this red team, they would have beat them. They would have won the league. And we went back. Ryan wanted to see how it all played out, uh, kind of like how it was in soccer. We went and we watched the other semifinals, and we watched the championship game. And so badly, like his friend's team came up against him. We tried to coach him up, tell him exactly what to do. They were up by like three. They ended up losing by two. It was so heartbreaking. And that, that game was so chippy. You had cops getting called. It was, I mean, it was a wild scene. I hadn't been to a game in some time that required a police presence. I mean, I think the last time I had went to a game that required police presence was when I was in Tampa at a Boston game. Because Boston and New York bring a different type of um, – they bring a different type of crowd to Tampa <laughs> and there tends to have to be some police around because it get people be talking a lot of junk and it's, it's, um, it's crazy, you know? And, and so I'm thinking like, man, we're at a U 11 game and cops are in here. Like, yo, this is crazy. And so then we went to the championship game and, and I remember leaving and I was upset, you know, and Ryan went to go play and I just was so mad because I was like, you know, this coach is he's won and he's had this streak. And and I think it's baseball, soccer, and basketball. I think in the last three years he's he's clean sweeped. He hadn't lost yet. And it's just like, oh man. I, and the thing with soccer, he aged out. So he's gonna have to go with kids he's not used to. He's gonna have to start over. So this is the, this is why I believe Ryan has the opportunity within the next um two years to do it because he's going to have to build the team up again, you know, starting from nine to 10 year olds, he might have to take kids that he normally wouldn't take. And so when you think about that, it's like, wow, it's just a lot to take in, but I find myself wanting them to win. I'm, it's not just about being his father. It's about being someone that sees that he wants it. And he goes out there and he tries his best. He's a great teammate. He studies the game. Um, of course, I, you know, I started him studying the game, but he studies the game. He tries to get himself better. He works on it when he's at school. And, you know, as a father, you want him to win. I want him to taste what it's like to stand in that light. And I, I haven't had a lot of wins in my life. So um, I know when I win, it's, it's a very awkward thing for me. I don't want him to be like me in that. I want him to win so much that he wants to win more not get used to losing and so I think when his response to losing in basketball I was kind of like a, I looked at him and he, he looked at me and he was he explained himself it was like it's because I don't want him to be comfortable with losing 
there are lessons to be learned and lost, no doubt. But we must push toward winning. We must be we must be our best. And I feel bad because the refs were in on it. And it was it was just trash. And he was getting upset. And I was trying to teach him a, a lesson in there. It's like you can't let refs control you. You have to still focus on doing what you have to do. Because at the end of the day, the refs don't hold the ball. You do. And if you're not controlling the tempo of the game, you allow them to. And so I think over this last year um, with my layoff and just everything I went through last year, almost dying, it was, I was saying to my, one of my friends the other day, here lately, we've just, I've really enjoyed my time with him. I felt closer with him. I felt like the communication and, and where we need to be, I feel like I'm getting more out of him and he's telling me how he feels and. And I hope that continues because I know as we turn into teenage years, it, we're, we're going to have our battles. You know, he's going to start to get stronger and, and feel himself. And then it's, he's going to exert his will and try to control situations instead of be this sweet, beautiful child that I know him to be right now. I just pray that he continues to know that his mother and father love him and we're here for him. And, and he has, you know, grandpas, grandmas. The extended family has so much people that love him and support him and want him to do well. And all he has to do is go reach for his dreams and that we're all going to be here for him to help him do it. And I am. I'm so proud. Uh, <laughs> trying not to be emotional, but I, I'm so proud to. To have done this last 10. Um, I never in my life thought that. Uh, man, I never thought I was going to be somebody's dad. I never did. I, I thought for sure that I would still be running around this earth trying to figure out who I, who I am. And I'm so lucky that the greatest gift that was given to me also helped me to unlock my greatest mystery. And that was myself. Through being a father and having to learn how to communicate in situations where it's not working, to have to be patient, to have to um, think outside of the box. All these things have helped me. But I think the biggest one that has been such a driving force that helped me was the inability to lead without leading by example. And what I mean by leading by example is I couldn't live with myself if I told my son to do something that I wasn't willing to do. You know, I think I, I was raised by a mom who would tell me how to do things the right way, but not be, but, but not model that behavior. So whatever I'm asking my son to do, I'm, I'm modeling that behavior. And the things that I fall short on, I'll, I'll ask him, I'm like, how do you think I should handle this? You know, this is what I want to do. This is what we should be doing. But it really, when people talk about lead by example, a lot of people use that. But really, he taught me how to truly lead by example. Because if I, before I go to make a decision, before I, well, I should say, before I go to carry out a decision, I have to think, what if, what if my son was doing this? Or what if my son was watching me do this? Would he be disgusted by my actions? Would he be proud of my actions? 
because ultimately I, I carry this validator in me about pride and, and pride is one of my weaknesses. It's also one of my strengths, but it's one of my weaknesses. Um, it, it drives me to push through walls, but it also can cause me to, to walk into a cage and lock it and just stay there because I want to make my family proud of me. I want them to know that I deserve to be here. But guess what? I am here and I do deserve to be here. And that that was half my battle. To carry my last name, I never felt like I was strong enough. I didn't feel like I was proud enough. I didn't feel like I made my dad proud enough. So I ended up really loving my first name because of it, because I felt so unique and different that I didn't feel like I was a part of it. And I've had to learn that I've carried my name with pride. My first and my last name. And my son, to you, when you hear this, because you will, this is for you. You carry, at 10 years old, you, you carry your first, your middle, and your last with pride. You are my little king. And you'll always be that to me. I'm proud of your spirit. I'm proud of how you are as a brother. I'm proud of how you are as a son, just how you are as a person. How, you, how caring and compassionate you can be and how you don't allow people to be bullied in your presence, how you stand up for what you believe in. And, and you remind me of myself, like you just have this thing in you that can't allow you to watch crazy things go on without saying something. And I want you to continue to push toward that light because you have the, you have the ability to step off my back to go and be even greater than me. It took me a long time to, to figure it all out because when I went into the workforce, part of the workforce makes you have to close your mouth, especially being black. Like I had to be quiet and I had to be very careful how I walked in certain rooms or they weren't going to let me in that room. So there were times where I had to bite my tongue and your grandpa and I talk about this all the time. We laugh about it. Um, we've had to bite our tongue. He knew when he was in the service, he had to bite his tongue about certain things because you will not be allowed into that room. And then once you become ostracized, then you're left in another room where no one else goes in that room and it's just you. And now you can never advance. You can never get where you want to. I hope you own your own company. I want you to. I'll come work for you. Because at the end of the day, it's about respect. And we shouldn't have to play games to be respected. And I think you have the ability within you, inside your heart, to change um, to change the, the way things flow like that. It doesn't have to be that way. So I say, as you approach this milestone birthday, as your father, I love you to the moon and back. I love you from the top of your head to the tips of your toes. From the first moment that they put you in my arms, I was, I, it, it was incredible. When I knew we were having you, I was excited. Your mom was. I remember we'd buy you an outfit every time we went to a doctor's appointment. And we found this ducky outfit for you. And we put you in it when you were coming home. And I was terrified bringing you home without all the nurses because I was like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm a dad. And this is baby. What do I do? And then it was just natural. Like, you were my dude. And then next thing you know, you were rolling over and you were scooting and you were crawling. And then I remember your first steps <laughs> when you came and walked to me. And um, it was it just was incredible. 
And then, you know, every year after that, to see you start talking, when you start talking, then you, then you were telling all kind of cool stories and to see your love for dinosaurs or sea creatures. And then just every little thing you were learning about them and then teaching me, we get into pre-K, we get into this kindergarten, you deal with issues of people being mean and dealing with bullies and all that. And you persevere. That's what you do, son. You continue to push and you continue to go. And as your father, I want you to know I'm here. I always got your back. I'm always here for you to talk to. I leave this file for you here today so that you know whenever you feel like something's wrong, whenever you feel like, oh, my dad's being too hard on me or, oh, man, I don't think he loves me. I am here to be your protector. I am here to be your guide. I'm here to guide you, to help you learn how to coexist in this world and then you take your dream and then you push through the wall. I am not here to just be a protector. I am not just here to teach you how to survive. I am going to teach you how to thrive. Together, you have taught me how to learn how to stop surviving and try to thrive more. So I am going to position you to thrive, son. And when it comes to being proud of you, like I told you before, you don't need to save 12 kids out of a burning building for me to be proud of you. The moment you entered this world, there was a unconditional love and source of pride that I will always have when I speak of you. It's why your mother and I scream as loud as we do when you had a game and we were all excited to go see your artwork. You are loved. And when I say that, you need to close your eyes and open your ears and your heart and remember that you are loved. You are our little king. And like I said, it's the greatest gift. You are the greatest gift I've ever been given. Um, it's why I'll always love your mom. She gave me the greatest gift she could ever give me. And for that, I am truly blessed. I am truly thankful. And I am just so ecstatic to be your dad as you approach this milestone. I am proud of you. I love you. And continue to continue to be amazing. I think the greatest part of this journey with you is just <laughs> seeing you in your element and then watching you be you. Because you have to understand how it was raised. I was raised... If I did something wrong or like um, if I was teetering toward the wrong thing, your grandma would come in and just blow it all up because that was her way of protecting. And when you were a little bit younger, when you were, I would say, up, up to five, I was really, I was that type of person. If you were about to fall, I was going to be there to catch you because as a dad, that's what we do. But what I learned is I wasn't preparing you for the world properly. I have to allow you to flirt with danger. And just watch it. And then as long as that danger isn't like, you know, burning the house down danger. Like, yeah, you might play and you might fall. I've got to let you figure things out sometimes on your own. And what I've learned about doing that, stepping back, is when I come and ask you a question about like what you thought about it, what you experienced, you can articulate it so well. And then you can, you know how to discern right and wrong. You, eh, this wasn't the right thing to do with this. I should have did this. 
Um, I'm so glad that you're in my life because if I never had you, I don't think I would have learned that. So you were, you were the blessing that I needed. I couldn't be anybody else's dad, but yours, because I wouldn't have figured that out. I would have been harder on them. You've taught me how to apply just the right amount of pressure, but not too much. And now I need you to trust me that you have always been more than enough because you're loved and I'm very proud of you. So when you listen to this, understand that your mother and I love you and that you are, you are everything you always have been. You're my, you're my dude. And I'm, like I said, I'm just so thankful that I had you, but I want to leave this here for you um, because you're going to see this book. Your mother and I had your baby book and I've had, I've held it for the last so often because I've needed it at times. I, like I said, like I told you, it was times when your mother and I got divorced. I needed it. I needed it more than her, regardless if she needed it or not. I needed it more than her. I'm going to tell you the message I wrote to you before you came here. So I leave this with you. My son, be kind, show compassion, treat others with respect. Don't be afraid to cry. Don't fear loss. Embrace it. Love without limits and laugh at life. Your mother and I will always love you, son. Your dad. That's the message I leave for you on this milestone occasion. You are, you are such a blessing to all of us. Not just to me or your mom, but your brothers, your sister, your grandparents, your aunts, your uncle. You are a blessing to all of us and to anyone who meets you. Thank you for being my son. I love you. Yeah. I would like to take the time to thank you for joining this jam talk for today. That's it. That's the end. There's no, nothing else to say. Go back to your your regularly scheduled program. Chew knows it.